Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. The title of the message this morning is The Power in the Name Christ. Christ was a title before it became a name, but in our circles and throughout history, because we combine the words Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, or sometimes just simply use Christ by itself, we think of it as being a name, but first and foremost, it was a title before it became the name of Jesus. And my subtitle is, The Name Christ, What You Should Know, and Why You Should Know It. It's very important. You probably know it, but you may not understand why you know it. And our text this morning is going to be from Acts chapter 4, and our scripture reading will be verses 5 through 10. Back on April 16th, if you can remember that far, of this year, I preached a sermon, Power in the Name of Jesus. I'd encourage you to pick up that sermon CD if you could. Power in the name of Jesus. And we looked at the first miracle God performed through the apostles after Jesus Christ rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven, where the apostles, Peter and John, on their way to the temple, saw a man sitting by the gate, by gate beautiful, and they healed him. Now listen. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Their prayer simply was this. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I'll be, I want to tell you something. I have uh, started, I don't think I ever did it purposely before, but now when I pray for the sick, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thought if that is the way the disciples prayed, I'm going to pray that way. And I'm going to tell you why. I've told you a little bit why the power of Jesus' name is important. But I want to talk about why the name of Christ is important. If you look at Peter's sermon, and we won't have time to do that, in Acts chapter 2, at least two times he refers to Jesus not as Jesus Christ, but as Christ. And so there's something important that you and I need to know. But after they healed this man through the na- in the name of Jesus Christ, they were arrested and thrown into jail, and they spent the night in jail. And so we're going to start at chapter 4, verses, verse 5, the next day when they're brought to trial. So I want you to listen to God's Word. On the next day, Their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined concerning a good deed done to a crippled man... By what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, 
whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This is God's word for God's people, and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Amen. Well, the second name that Peter used when he prayed for this crippled man, he had been, he was born crippled, he was over 40 years of age, was the name Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. When he called him the Christ, everyone who has any Old Testament background understands what he was saying. Now, let me say something. God, in the beginning, intended to bring you and me to him. He planned to redeem us and to save us. And the whole Bible funnels towards the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the nation of Israel, God had three offices, three positions, and all three of these people were anointed with oil to do the Lord's work. The three offices were prophet, priest, and king. And so when Jesus, Peter called Jesus of Nazareth the Christ, he was saying he was the anointed one. By calling him the anointed one, he was saying he was the Messiah. By calling him the Christ, Peter was identifying Jesus as the prophet of all prophets, the priest of all priests, and the king of all kings. Peter was showing that Jesus was the sent one, the chosen one, the one that they had been looking for. When was Jesus anointed? The day he entered the river Jordan and was baptized by John the Baptist. When he went into the water and came out, a dove, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and abode upon Jesus. And the Father spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That day, God the Father anointed Jesus Christ with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Why? So he could carry out the work that God had called him to do. He had been commissioned and empowered by the Father to carry out the works he sent him to perform. Jesus was anointed to be God's representative. This representative purpose was to be fulfilled in the threefold offices of the Old Testament. And again, I'm going to say it again and again, a prophet, priest, and king. The purpose of these three offices was to serve as the intermediator between God and man. We needed someone to stand between us and God. The prophets were anointed to speak for God and to speak for man to God, such as when Moses interceded for Israel. The priests were anointed to lead man to God and to bring God to people. And the kings were anointed to rule the people for God and to bless the people for God. This is something that will be emphasized again and again in the New Testament. For example, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So let me ask you this question. Why do you, why do we need a prophet, priest, and king? Because God has examined us, and the diagnosis is not very good. Let me say that again. God has examined us, and the diagnosis was not very good. 
For the Bible says that you and I are fallen creatures. We have fallen into sin. We were driven. Our parents were driven from the Garden of Eden. We realize how terrible sin was when we realized Cain, after murdering his brother, just understood how bad off he was when he fled from the presence of God. And we are, because we're sinners, we're bound for hell. We're bound for the lake of fire. We are ignorant. We are guilty. And we are corrupt because of sin. As the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all, we've all fallen. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Sin has damaged us. Sin has devastated us. Sin has shattered us. Sin has ravaged us. Sin has destroyed us. Sin has ruined us. And it's all because we're sinners. The Bible says our foolish hearts are darkened because of sin in Romans 1, 21. The Bible says our thoughts are continually on evil in Genesis 6, verse 5. In Ephesians 4, verses 17 and 18, it says, Our minds are clouded by sin and ignorant of the things of God. And even in our folly, we glory in our great knowledge and wisdom, but in God's eyes, we're only foolish. Romans 1, verse 25 says, We've exchanged God's truth for a lie. This is the the diagnosis. Our minds are blinded by the God of this age. Like a blind man, we're like blind men in a drunken stupor, pitifully groping our way through life, wondering where we're going to go and where we're going to end up. Blinded. We've been, sin has blinded us to the truth of God, and you and I are intoxicated with our own self righteousness, and we stumble through life seeking to justify ourselves before God, before others, and before our own selves. We labor under a tremendous weight of guilt. The penalty for our many infractions of the law of God was God demands that we be punished to death, grave, and the hell. That's the prognosis. While many are quite adept at ignoring God's just verdict against them, many of us who have been convicted by the Holy Spirit feel a great weight upon us and we're about to be about to buckle underneath God's heavy hand. Not only are we guilty of our own individual violations of God's law in thought, word, and deed, but we are guilty because we are sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, according to Romans chapter 5, verses 12 and 18 and 19. While we may delude ourselves, thinking that we're better than our neighbors and that if we sinned against anyone, we haven't sinned against many, we know, as David knew, this is not the truth. David cried out in Psalm 51, verse 4, Against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. There are those who think I can stand before God and argue with God, but they'll find out there's no way that they'll be able to debate with God. David wrote, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? And God has a record. We're not only ignorant and guilty of sin, But sin corrupts every part of us from the moment of conception. We're born as sin, as the psalmist declares in Psalm 51, verse 5. Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3 says, There's no good residing in any one of us. Our bodies, which are fearfully and wonderfully made, become instruments to act out the wickedness that's inside us. It's this guilt and the pollution and corruption from sin that renders us miserable, hopeless, lost. A life apart from God's forgiveness 
is described in Psalm 32, verses, verses 3 and 4, as being sick in body, trembling, sweaty, trying to fight off a high fever. Romans 3.17 says, we have no peace with God. We have no peace with our neighbor. And we have no peace with ourselves. The diagnosis is this, you are separated from God. The diagnosis of this is you are excluded from the city and citizenship in Israel. The diagnosis is this, that we are foreigners to the covenants of the promise of God if we don't have a prophet, if we don't have a priest, and if we don't have a king. The diagnosis is this, we are without hope, and we're without God in this world. Sin, the diagnosis is sin leaves us ignorant, guilty, and corrupted. And therefore, we are utterly miserable, hopeless, destitute, impoverished, and spent. That's the diagnosis. We're sinners. We're lost. We're hopeless. And that's why Jesus Christ, Jesus, let me put it, this is why Jesus had to be the Christ. So when you have a diagnosis, if you go to the doctor, you may not get asked for this word. But when you go to the doctor and he gives you the diagnosis, for example, I've told you when the doctor told me I had a brain tumor, you know what the next question is? Didn't ask the word. What's the prognosis? What's the solution? I start to ask some of these medical people, is that the right word? Prognosis? Prognosis is, it means this. What's the outcome? What's the course? What am I have to go through to get well? What's the outcome going to be of my disease? What's the likelihood of recovery from a disease? When Deanna had her subdural hematoma and the doctor was in the room and she had regressed, wasn't getting better, was getting worse. And I asked the doctor, I said, well, have you seen this before? Because I was looking for some prognosis. Good news, you know. Boy, he took the wind out of my sails when he said, no, I've not seen it. Because I thought he would say, yeah, I've seen it. And people bounce back. I told you two days later, he walked in the room, looked around, and he looked at uh, little Fred and me. And he said, I wish I had some stuff to tell you. The prognosis for men who are lost in sin is not very good. The disease for our sin is fatal. You're going to die in your sins and you're going to go to hell because of them. No earthly cure is found for sin. There's no hope because we're sinners. We are lost because we're sinners. That's the prognosis. Don't believe me? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Ezekiel wrote, the soul that sins shall die. And in Revelation 21, verse 8, this is after the sheep and goat have been separated. This is after the saints have been separated from the sinners. Here's what it says about those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral. I'd like to chase that rabbit for a moment. We live in an age where there's no sexual immorality. You better listen to the Bible. There are churches, there are people saying, has God said? God has said there is sexual immorality. 
sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That is the prognosis. The diagnosis is that we're sinners. The prognosis is you're going to die. The Bible says we need a savior. We need a deliverer. We need a sacrifice. We need a mediator. We need a champion. We need an advocate. We need someone to intervene between God the judge and us the guilty. We need a great physician to heal us from the stain of sin and from its curse, which is death. There's no way that you and I can stand before God and win an argument. We are guilty. Job, who lived in the time of Abraham, perhaps this is the first book of the Bible ever written. But he states what you should really be saying to yourself. For he, God, is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, that we should come to trial together. We can't come to trial together. The New Century Version says, God is not human like me, so I cannot answer him. We cannot meet each other in court. And then the next verse he says, there's no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on both. NIV says, if only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. And the New Century Version says, I wish there were someone to make peace between us, between God and me. Someone to decide our case. The diagnosis is we are sinners and the prognosis without God is there's no cure and there's no hope. But God is a healer. God can change the prognosis. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's the gospel news. God can change things. With men, all things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And that's why you and I need to understand what it means for Jesus to be the Christ, to be the prophet, to be the king, priest to be the king. I just want to show you how important this is. In the next slide, I hope it's 16. Revelation 1-5, the last book of the Bible, chapter 1, Jesus Christ is being introduced to the people because the end is coming. Notice this verse. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Boy, I turned to my Bible. Where are you? And I'd write what I'm going to tell you next. The faithful witness refers to his ministry as prophet. The firstborn of the dead refers to his ministry as priest. The ruler of kings on earth refers to his ministry as king or king of kings and lord of lords. In the threefold office of Christ, we are granted freedom from sin as freedom from sin because that's what the prophet tells us access to god that's what the priest does for us and victory over satan and sin and the flesh and the world because that's what the king does before us i've shared this with you and i'll keep sharing with you but in the work of justification the sinner stands before god as accused but because of that because of because of justification we are declared free in redemption, we stand before God as slaves, but because of free redemption, we receive freedom by ransom. We stand before God as a debtor, but because of forgiveness, we receive discharge. We stand before God as an enemy, but because of the ministry of reconciliation, we are led to peace. Because we stand before God as a stranger, but because of adoption, we stand before God as sons and daughters. Or let me make it simple. 
We're accused to be sinners, and we are sinners. But when Jesus Christ saves us, we're declared not guilty, but better than that, as though we've never sinned. The whole record's wiped clean. And so we go from being a fugitive to a favorite. We, are, we were slaves to sin, but because of Jesus Christ, we have liberty, or we move from being slaves to citizenship. We were debtors in sin, but in Christ we are rich. We move from being poor to being prosperous. Let me try to put it this way. Anytime you hear of Los Angeles, Portland, some of these big cities, they have what? Large homeless encampments. And that's what it's like to be in sin. The best you can have in sin is a tent on the street. No place to use the bathroom. No place to call your own. But when Jesus Christ saves you, he moves you into the mansion, into his house. We move from poor to prosperous. In sin, we're enemies to God. But in salvation, we're friends. We go from being foes to friends. Hallelujah. In sin, we are strangers. But in salvation, we become sons and daughters or we move from being foreigners to family. That's what the grace of God does for you. This is why the title Christ is important to you. You who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You might say this, listen. As prophet, he is the truth. As priest, he is the life. As king, he is the way. Jesus was anointed. Why was he anointed? To bless his people. We were sinners. We were lost. We were hopeless. Jesus Christ was anointed to bless you and to bless you and to bless you and to bless you. That's why he's prophet, priest, and king. That's why he's the Christ. Jesus was anointed to bless the people. That's what Isaiah foretold about Jesus Christ in chapter 61. And that's what Jesus Christ read in the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4 when he said, The Spirit of the Lord, that's the anointing of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, I'm going to just use the present time in this passage this morning. To bring good news to the poor. That's the prophet's ministry. The prophet has come to bring good news to you and to me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That is his ministry as a priest. You need some good news? He's here as a prophet. You need your heart healed? He's here as a priest. And then to proclaim liberty to the captives. It's the king that wins the victory. It's the king that leads the army. It's the king that goes into battle to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound or recovery of sight. But that's his ministry as king. I want you to understand that when you say Jesus Christ, you're saying he's my prophet, he's my priest, he's my king, hallelujah. And that's what, and he's here to bless me. And that's why I've started praying when I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because when I'm praying, I'm praying in that name that's above all names. But I'm standing behind the power of the prophet and the priest and the king. Hallelujah. As prophet, he speaks 
As priest, he leads, and as king, he rules. Our ignorance is healed by his prophetic ministry. His prophetic light scatters the darkness of air, the darkness that rules and reigns over our lives. As prophet, he shows us God, and he shows us our sin. As prophet, Jesus enlightens the mind by the spirit of illumination. We begin to realize these things about God. I can tell you, as I study this passage, my mind has been illuminated about the greatness of the title, the name of Christ. Remember, David had a prophet, and his name was Nathan. Won't go to all of it. One time, Nathan gave David his plans for the temple and the house of God. As his prophet, as your prophet, Jesus Christ will share his plans and purposes for your life. But then one day, Nathan showed David his sin. And Jesus, as our prophet, will show what is in our hearts and in our lives. Our guilt is healed by his priestly ministry. The virtue of the priest takes away guilt and procures for you and me reconciliation with God. As priest, he leads us to God. As priest, he offered himself as a sacrifice. He died for our sins. He rose again, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. He is our help in a time of trouble, hallelujah, because he's our priest. As priest, he is a bridge between God and man. Listen, as a priest, he is Jacob's ladder between heaven and you who are on earth. Hallelujah. As, pe- as priest, he brings peace to our hearts and to our conscience. But as king of kings and a lord of lords, he breaks the tyranny of Satan over our lives. And he breaks the corruption of sin in our bodies. He brings healing. That's why the Apostle Paul was able to write that one day this corruption will put on incorruption and this perishable will put on imperishable. Why? Because he's the king who has won the victory over Satan's sin and the flesh. Hallelujah. The power of king, the king removes the bondage of sin and death. The king unites us together as a people, and he glorifies us before God and Almighty. As King Jesus heals our rebellious affections and our desire to sin. As king, he fights for us. That's what you need to realize when you say that. He fights for you. He fights for you. He fights for us. He is our David who goes into the valley to fight our Goliath, Satan, and sin. And he wins the victory, hallelujah. He is our Samson who slays the Philistines at his death in the cross. He is our Moses who plundered the Egyptians. Jesus is the strong man who will plunder everything that Satan has taken and robbed and stolen from you. Because he's king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ comes, the world will be glad to give God's people everything if they can just avoid his judgment. He's our prophet. He's our priest. He's our king. He is your prophet, and he will speak to you today. He's your priest. You'll say, I'm lost, and I'm straying, and I don't know where to turn. He'll be your bridge. He'll be your ladder, and he'll get you to God. If you're saying, I feel crushed and defeated and overwhelmed, 
Remember, he is your king, and he'll give you the victory. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference. God's Word speaks truth. God's Word speaks life. And God's Word speaks to us today. Hi, I'm Pastor John Marins of the Granby Christian Church. Each week we explore God's Word together on In the Shadow of Your Wings, a radio broadcast on KNEO. Tune in each Saturday at 6.45 p.m. to hear the show. And if you ever miss it, you can always view the archive online at kneo.org. We also have the program available as a podcast as well, so you can listen anytime, anywhere. It's available from Sky High Podcast Network. I invite you to check out the show and learn more about our incredible God and how He cares for you. You can trust Him. You can depend on Him, and you can rest in the shadow of His wings. 